Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hey there, faithful listener. Thanks so much for listening into this episode of the Bible Explained podcast. I'm so excited you're here and I feel really motivated to talk about Luke chapter 11 today. I just think it's going to be a really interesting episode. And for some reason, over the past couple weeks, I have been seeing a theme with talking about the spiritual realm Whereas before, I never really noticed that, but we've been talking about it a lot recently on the podcast, just talking about the Holy Spirit, but then also the evil spirits as well. And that would be the spiritual realm. But uh, excuse me if you hear some thunder, because I am going through a thunderstorm right now. So excuse me if you hear some thunder, it might get kind of loud. I can hear it uh, coming on pretty, pretty um quickly. So we'll see how that goes. But tell me what the weather is where you are. So contact me at p40ministries.com slash contact. Tell me where you live, where you're from, and what the weather is where you are. I love hearing from you. I love getting to know you. So please uh, contact me whenever you feel like it. So Luke chapter 11, 14 through 26 is what we're going to be discussing today. So grab your Bible out of whatever version you prefer, but I will be reading out the W.E.B. this morning. So let's go ahead and read this together. Luke eleven fourteen through 26. He was casting out a demon and it was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. A house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. But if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if I, by God's finger, cast out demons... Then God's kingdom has come to you. When the strong man fully armed guards his own dwelling, his goods are safe. But when someone stronger attacks him and overcomes him, he takes from him his whole armor in which he trusted and divides his plunder. He that is not with me is against me, and he who doesn't gather with me scatters. The unclean spirit, when he has gone out of the man, passes through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. And he says, I will turn back to my house from which I came out. And when he returns, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes seven other spirits more evil than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. The last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Once again, Jesus is surrounded by a ton of multitudes. These multitudes just love Jesus. They love seeing what he could do. They loved hearing what he had to say. He was super controversial. They just loved Jesus. They wanted him. So Jesus was so popular. And so now he is casting out a demon that was mute. Now, this is very important because back in Jesus's day, there were exorcists. There were exorcists among the Pharisees that would go and make it their career to go out and cast out demons. But what they believed back in Jesus's day was that a demon had to say its name 
For example, we see that uh, Jesus asked the name of the demon, Legion, in that one man. But they believed that you had to get the demon to reveal their name in order to cast it out. That's just what they believed. So the fact that this demon was a mute, or rather made the man become mute, was huge. Because they didn't believe that mute demons could be cast out. But Jesus casts out this mute demon without doing anything other than casting it out. So the multitudes marveled because this went against what they believed demons were. They just, they they didn't understand. So some of them, because of this, they see Jesus's power. Some of them in the multitude decides that Jesus is acting out of the spirit of demons rather than the Holy Spirit. So they say he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of the demons, or Beelzebub, if you guys know that name. One way or the other, they're saying that he is casting out demons because he's got Beelzebub inside of him. Obviously, they are extremely mistaken because the Holy Spirit is so powerful. First and foremost, they're not giving credit to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has so much power. I mean, the Holy Spirit's above everybody and everything because the Holy Spirit, God and Jesus created the entire universe, including the spiritual realm. So the Holy Spirit is able to cast out demons. But on top of this, they are blaspheming the Holy Spirit by saying, no, this is not the Holy Spirit's power. This is the work of Satan. And we see elsewhere that Jesus says, be careful because you're on the verge of committing the unforgivable sin, which is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And blaspheming the Holy Spirit is a lifelong choice that a person makes to never accept the Holy Spirit. And that's what these people were on the verge of doing or possibly already doing. Jesus doesn't mention it here, or rather Luke doesn't mention it here that Jesus says this. But we do find out, I believe it was in Matthew, that Jesus did say, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, it says other people were testing him, seeking a sign from heaven. Isn't that dumb? Like Jesus literally just cast out a mute demon, something that the people believe that that could not be done. I mean, what more of a sign from heaven did these people need? But they wanted more because they were never going to believe. So Jesus knows this and Jesus does not give them a sign from heaven because he had already just given them a sign from heaven. Instead, he knows their thoughts. And he starts speaking truth to them about what the spiritual realm is. So he says, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. So he just gives them complete and utter logic. A kingdom, when it's in civil war, is divided against itself. It can, it's brought to desolation. Civil wars are terrible because that means that the kingdom literally is falling. Like that kingdom is falling. So Jesus says a family that is divided against itself can't stand. When a family is feuding, that family begins to deteriorate. Because what family can stand under those kinds of circumstances? 
They can't. They start dividing. They start going their own separate ways. The kids get estranged from their parents and vice versa. I mean, families that are feuding with each other do not stand. So Jesus is just giving them these logic points. And then he says, why then would Satan cast out his own demons? That would be like he's fighting against himself. His kingdom would start to collapse. So clearly he's not doing that. And clearly I am not working with that kind of spirit. So he says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, who are you guys casting demons out with? So Jesus turns it around on them. He's like, well, you guys also cast out demons. So are you using the spirit of Beelzebub? Or are you using God's spirit? So he's, he's you know, p- pushing it back on them. Like, well, if you guys are saying that I'm doing it with Beelzebub, who are you guys doing it with? And obviously that's going to not only make them think, but make them kind of mad. But it was a good point that Jesus made. It was a fantastic point because the entire crowds then were getting this logic thrown on them. The people that were stand, like thinking about this, watching Jesus do this, hearing the Pharisees who they, who they trusted and hearing Jesus's logic going back on the Pharisees. So everything Jesus is saying is disproving this awful point that the Pharisees are trying to make to discredit Jesus. So in verse 20, he says, but if by God's finger, I cast out demons, then God's kingdom has come to you. So he's basically saying, look, I am casting out demons with God's power. So the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, God's kingdom has come to you. I mean, even though Jesus is making an argument, he is stating like, look, God's kingdom is here for you guys. So then in verse 21, he talks a little bit more about the spiritual realm all the way down to verse 26. When the strong man, fully armed, guards his own dwelling, his goods are safe. But when someone stronger attacks him and overcomes him, he takes from him his whole armor in which he trusted and divides his plunder. So what does that mean? This story that Jesus gives, what's this mean? Well, this is talking about God's power. The strong man here is Satan. But the Holy Spirit or Jesus is the stronger man. So, yeah, Satan is strong. He's got his armor. He's got his weapons. He's protecting what he what he has. But when Jesus comes, he is stronger and he defeats Satan and takes from Satan his armor, which he trusted and then divides the plunder. So he's this is a this is an analogy this story that Jesus gives, it's a parable, an analogy of Satan being the strong man, but Jesus being so much stronger and overcoming Satan because people were not trusting apparently in the Holy Spirit's power to do this, in Jesus's power to do this. So after this, in verse 23 through 26, there's another story. And this is one I actually mentioned a couple days ago, not even realizing that I was going to talk about it today, which is kind of funny. It's interesting how uh, God works like that when on this podcast. For some reason, I, I noticed that when I talk about certain stories in the Old Testament, sometimes they end up coming up in the New Testament. It's just so interesting how the Old Testament and the New Testament line up so stinking well. And like, I never really realized that. Like, I've read through the Bible before, and I, I know you guys have heard that story a million times when I read through the Bible. But when I read through the Bible, because I was reading it um, as a book, 
it, which was very, very beneficial to me, by the way. I loved reading it as a book. But because I read it as a book, I didn't realize how well the two line up. But now that I'm reading them side by side for you guys and talking about them, they just line up so well. Like, holy cow, do they line up? So the other day I was talking about us making the Holy Spirit comfortable to reside within us because that's what Christians do. Obviously, you and I are God's temple now. That is where the Holy Spirit resides, is within us. So we need to make our temples a comfortable place for the Holy Spirit to live. And that was kind of what I talked about the other day, mentioning this particular parable that Jesus says. So here's what it says, verse 23 through 26. He that is not with me is against me. He who doesn't gather with me scatters. The unclean spirit, when he has gone out of the man, passes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. And he says, I will turn back to my house from which I came out. And when he returns, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes seven other spirits more evil than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. The last state of that man becomes worse than the first. So, I mean, this is kind of an interesting parable. And this is talking about when a person was previously possessed and they end up getting unpossessed by that evil spirit through Jesus. So let's just say Jesus comes across a person who is possessed. He gets rid of the demon and the man is healed. But that man doesn't really do anything about it. He doesn't take precautions or measures to make sure that that spirit cannot enter back in. Because you have to remember that evil spirits do have a mind of their own. They clearly have a certain level of IQ and they can think. They think. So this unclean spirit gets cast out and it's going around looking for another place to live. It doesn't find anything. So after a while, it's like, well, maybe I can go back to that last guy. So then the spirit goes back, finds the last guy that they were previously living in. And the spirit finds this guy having a nice, clean, empty house. So that spirit enters back in and takes seven of his even more evil friends to go and live with this guy inside this guy together. So this is a warning that we need to not only sweep our houses clean, but we need to make sure that they actually are temples for the Holy Spirit and not dwelling places for these evil spirits. And the way we do that is just by inviting the Holy Spirit in to make sure that our temples are filled with the Holy Spirit so that nothing else can get inside. Nothing else. And maybe it isn't even possession of a, an, an evil spirit. Let's just say it's not. But maybe we are trying to overcome an addiction and we don't have anything there to help us with that addiction. Eventually, one way or another, it's going to get back in. We're going to start getting addicted to whatever we were addicted to all over again. No matter what we do to try to do it on our own, we can't. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit inside helping us. We can't do really anything on our own if we think about it because everything belongs to God. Even the breath we, we breathe belongs to God. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit residing inside of us to help us, we're not going to be very effective people. We might be able to accomplish certain things. Like, for example, 
Jesus, uh, you know, got rid of this evil spirit in this story, the house was swept clean. And that guy was able to keep it clean by himself for a little while. But eventually that spirit came back in. And to me, this is more of a story of what are we doing? What, like what kind of things are we doing in our own power rather than having the Holy Spirit help us? Are we trying to achieve, accomplish, uh, gain more education, uh, do all this stuff on our own to, to make us feel better, read self-help books? Like who knows what it is? Like, and none of those things are bad. Obviously, these things are good. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of things are good that we do on our own. But at the same time, if we don't have the Holy Spirit residing in us, helping us, then no matter what we achieve, no matter what we do to try to get ahead, no matter what we are doing to better ourselves, it's not going to work in the end. It can't work. It just can't. We desperately need God on our side. We desperately need God to be with us. And we need to make our dwelling place, a comfortable place for the Holy Spirit to live. So I guess my challenge to you guys is to think about some of the stuff that you are doing in your own power. So my challenge is just make some time to pray about it. Pray about whatever is going on in your life that you are trying to do in your own power. And just pray that God's Holy Spirit helps you with whatever you need to do this coming week. Alrighty, well, this was Luke 11, verses 14 through 26. We talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about evil spirits. We talked about making our houses a comfortable place for the Holy Spirit to live. And I just, I, I just love how this episode totally went hand in hand with the episode that I did just a couple days ago. Like, how cool is that? So interesting. So definitely uh, tune into that last episode. I think I, I talked about the, the temples being us back on Monday. So if you want to listen to that episode, please go back and listen to Monday's episode to hear the Old Testament version, I suppose, of uh, this particular subject. So go to www.p40ministries.com and subscribe to the email list because I do keep you guys updated with certain things regarding P40 Ministries and everything else. And also go to the YouTube page, P40 Ministries LLC, and subscribe to that as well. I'll drop a link to that in the bio of the podcast episode. Friends and faithful listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. Happy listening and God bless. Oh,